Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody. It's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a special episode. It features Steve Weigler. He's the founder of Emerge Council. So stay with me. He's a lawyer, but you need to hear this episode. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Dara Levy. She's the founder of Dermaflash. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to be sitting across the Zoom with Steve Weigler. He is the founder of Emerge Council and Total TM. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thanks, Jody. It's really just nice to see your face. We've always spoken on the phone. Yeah, it's cool to see your um, face. And I uh, want to give full disclosure to our listeners here. So I met Steve because he was looking to start a skincare brand. And it's up to you, Steve, if you want to reveal the secret sauce of that. Sure, I will. And then we started talking again, and um, Steve might be a more unusual um, guest for us because the topics we're going to talk about, but I think this is so important. So, Steve, tell us a little bit about your dabbling in skincare before we move on to really what we're here to talk about. Sure. Well, like, like everyone I work with, um, we all have a lot of entrepreneurial ideas, and it, it, you can sense the personality um, the moment you meet an entrepreneur. And I definitely, through my career, although I've worked for large um, Fortune 50 organizations and even large government organizations, in the back of my mind, I've always been an entrepreneur. I always thought I could do it better. Um, and I, I have had some entrepreneurial um, pursuits, some that ended really well and some that ended not so well. So through that, I was uh, finishing an entrepreneurial pursuit and I said, God, you know, I had time and I was playing, skiing a lot and riding my mountain bike a lot. And my head was starting to get um, really red. And it was because I was getting older and I started balding. Um, and it was something that I've not looked forward to. I knew looking at my dad that it would be happening by the, probably I thought I'd be bald by the time I was like 20, but it's, I'm now over 50. and. Finally, it's uh, really kicking in. Um, anyway, the point is, is uh, I thought, hey, there's no skincare line just for bald guys. And so I went to um, conferences in Las Vegas. I went, I got a, um, someone that would chemically manufacture it. And then I started, I said, who's the best brander I can find? And uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, you always go and try to find the, the best. And the best is Jody, from what I could tell. And um, and so I, I even was able to create a relationship with Jody, had it all set up, and then the FDA um, started cracking down on, on sunscreens. And I said, this is really not the right time to do this business plan. Um, deep down, with all those entrepreneurial pursuits that I've done, and I've done about 10 years of, of just straight entrepreneurism. Um, before that, again, I was working for large corporations and um, law firms as, as corporate counsel. But the, um, once I did that, my, my true calling is I'm an attorney. And um, I, I'm very acutely aware to brand as being an entrepreneur and really focus a lot on um, helping entrepreneurs build their brands and protect their brands. And so I thought this was a, an excellent synergy. Um, I don't think I will ever do the the skincare line, um, again, just because I think I've really, in this last 10 years, I've found my true calling, um, which kind of took, I had to figure out what I was going to do. I had to take all my skills 
um, because I, I exited an entrepreneurial endeavor. And I'm like, well, what are your skills? What, what are you good at doing? And I put them all down on a piece of paper. And what I do right now is, is what I'm really good at and enjoy. That's so cool. So I, full disclosure, also, Steve is a partner with our podcast, but I did not pay him to say those nice things about me and um, my agency's talents. <laughs> well, it's but, true. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I did a lot of research, Jody. It's not, it's not blowing smoke. So um, I think this is so important because there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are guests on our show and a lot of our fans are either entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial, right? They might work in other companies, but they're just entrepreneurial. And this topic about how to actually protect brand, um, not just from like, do we have great social media content, but like actually protecting, um, you know, from a legal perspective is so important. And I've known so many founders who've, um, you know, not protected or not really had the IP, even though they thought they did. And then years later, when they tried to, you know, monetize their, um, their brand by selling it or getting investors, they run into a lot of problems. Um, so this is very, very important. And I think this is going to be an episode actually that people keep coming back to um, because, you know, you're going to give us some practical, practical guidance here. Um, so let's talk about this process. Why do entrepreneurs like not make this a priority? What have you seen like kind of your war stories? Well, I'm going to try and take it to your world. Your brand is, is everything in, in, especially in, in, um, beauty and skincare and everything is brand. And I'm, Jody wouldn't be the first person to say this. I wouldn't be the first person to say this. Um, when you go and you make decisions in a, in a store, be it Nordstrom or Saks Fifth Avenue or even Walgreens, you're, the whole experience, why you're picking one over the other, has a lot to do with the brand and the brand experience. There's two parts to brand. There's figuring out that it's more than just labeling um, and the entire customer experience which is what Jody um, helps with. And it comes from the mind and vision of the entrepreneur. Then there's kind of the, the boring part, which is um, I, I went to a marketer um, when I started this practice and said, God, I want to make this exciting and interesting. Um, they're like, Steve, you are marketing in the world of boring. Law, except to lawyers, is a very boring topic. And so the exciting side of brand is the whole customer experience. What I focus on, where I understand what Jody does, and I don't have really that talent, um, my, my talent is taking, dissecting what the elements of the brand that are protectable are and protecting that. And so it's not, I think, when, when an entrepreneur comes into the field, or even, even when we deal with large, because I have some large um, cosmetic-type brands that are you know, doing $20, $30 million of business, but it's the same thing. They're, the exciting part is, is really creating that customer experience, is really creating um, the, the fun marketing parts. We're, we're, we're dissecting that and, and really taking it into the, uh, something that's not particularly um, interesting or makes you know, someone's eyes glaze over. But at the same time, it becomes very interesting when someone is knocking off your brand and you have to do something about it. So um, we try and make it interesting. We, um, we really try and incorporate the conversation on what is the brand. But it's, it's, again, a lot of times I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't really think about the most important aspects. The other part about it, it's not that different than insurance um, or anything where you buy, you're like, what a bummer. I spent, you know, in our case, our, our entire trademark package runs about $875. Um, and they're like, God, you know, I just, I, I want to, if I had any money, I'd spend it 
on, on Jody or I'd spend it on packaging or I'd spend it. And they don't really think about the, the part about, well, what happens if? And that $875 can become, well, my latest case is $285,000 if someone knocks off your brand and you're trying to take it down. So, you know, the risk tolerance for entrepreneurs, especially, or any business owner um, or any corporation, frankly, is pretty high. And so, you know, they don't really think about, well, gosh, this is, this is an element of protection. Um, the third thing is brand, build, protecting brand is building value. So if you create a brand um, that's just a dynamite brand and you don't protect it, well, when it comes time for M&A, um, mergers and acquisitions, that's the first thing they're going to knock off the price because you didn't take the time to protect it. So I just think it's not on a lot of people's minds until, just like everything else, until your car gets wrecked or until, you know, you get the COVID virus. Or, you know, you're just like, it's not on your mind. It's more what you do. It, it's a lot more um, front, of, front of page. We're kind of in the back row. So I love how you actually like use the best of marketing to sort of um, express your specialty because you told me that you have the services of a large law firm, but at a fraction of the price, I think it's a smart marketing, right? Because I think one of the reasons why entrepreneurs just want to skip over this and insurance and those other unfun things is because it seems like um, like a deep hole that um, we don't understand the language and we don't even know the questions to ask. And then there's this like huge cost associated with it. So I think disarming people and letting them know that like, yeah, you can have the expertise, but you don't have to spend aggressively um, in the beginning is really important. So that's like kudos to law firm marketing because I don't, I don't know that that happens very often. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all through my entrepreneurial experience. Um, we, most of my, my last business was a predictive analytics business and uh, we had to hire, we had to work with large law firms in because a lot of our biggest business was like in Singapore and all these places. And so um, what I realized is the quality of their, their practice is very high, but the bills were also like $900,000 an hour. Um, and again, our business was like, I don't know, $3 million, $4 million um, of revenue. And it just was like, wow, there has to be something here for, for people that are um, trying to build a business with equal quality. Um, that by using technology, most of our clients are all over the world, all over the country for sure. Um, so the combination of using technology, and there's a lot of technology and trademark searching right now that wasn't around at the time they built the large traditional law firm. And so using all that, that um, and I'm sure you're doing it in your practice too, Jody, is by using all the technology that's out there, you can lower the price for the, the um, consumer entrepreneur meaning the law consumer entrepreneur without um, sacrificing quality. And then there's a ton of attorneys that have just had it with a large law firm business model because it, I don't know, I hope I'm not insulting any attorneys, but that's a lousy thing to do for your, li for your life. So, um, so anyway, the, all of that together, um, we built a nice little uh, law firm that's really focused on a lot of flat feeing and, and um, really making it affordable, but we are not sacrificing quality. Like that is not... Um, something that we're willing to, to consider. So, um, you know, is it okay that you're in Colorado and that your clients in other states? Yeah, I have like a total of 10 clients in Colorado. Mm -hmm. So, and I have 500 clients. So most of my clients are all over the world. Um, what in your industry, what is, 
I, I think what would be what's important for a client to work with a lawyer in your industry in particular is that they understand what the brand is, what the elements of the brand are that are that they they feel are special or protectable. Um, and some things you can you can protect are, for example, the name is definitely protectable. The logo is protectable. In a huge thing that's coming up in your industry is um, the trade dress, which is the packaging and how the packaging looks and feels, um, which, you know, again, I've been reading a lot about what you're doing, Jody, and it, it's a lot, you know, again, the first generation was kind of like, well, come up with a creative name. The second generation is coming up with, um, you know, creative logoing. Now it's like not only the packaging, but how you're on showing people on wrapping the packaging, including influencers. And if an entrepreneur can come to me and understand those brand elements, we can easily and effectively protect those very quickly. So it's, it's um, and, and cost effectively. And so what's either I have to spend the time unwrapping what, what the brand experience is, or it's fantastic if they come to me with it. If they do, a lot of it is done via, via Zoom. Um, and we take pictures, we have our own photo studio um, to, to make sure that we're getting it protected in the right place. And then we put it in a nice wrapper um, with uh, you know, spreadsheets that are branded. Um, always get your brand out there. Um, and uh, to, to manage it. And then you know, it becomes a very low cost, highly effective process that you can do almost anywhere. The second thing, Jody, is the question about, um, and I don't mean to ramble on, but the question about um, can your clients be anywhere? Well, a lot of the knockoffs that are occurring here in your industry in particular, and almost every other one, are in China. And so a lot of our law is international law. Um, and so, and it's a combination of national, international law and federal law. And so the jurisdiction, Colorado, really has no impact on um, intellectual property law. It's all protected either at the federal level, which is out of Washington, D.C., or um, internationally and with a particular focus in make sure whoever you work with, it could be me or someone else, that they have excellent relationships in China and other Asian countries. Because a lot of our work is being done taking down um, infringers at that Chinese level and protecting entrepreneurs in China. I mean, they're manufacturing in China, so we're protecting their brand in China. So Steve, um, I can imagine someone listening and being like, well, I'll just go to LegalZoom. And I, I kind of love LegalZoom just because, you know, it's like I got, I made my articles of whatever when I started my company there. Grand Corporation. Mm -hmm. My articles of whatever. Um, so like, um, I, I do know that it's not the best choice because I don't know the questions to ask, right? Um, so can you just sort of outline like why it's really important to work with someone like you? when we're setting sure. these things up versus just like incorporating on legal zoom like I did. Sure. And we should talk about that, Jody. Um, offline. But the <laughs> <laughs> the le legal very zoom very transparent uh, so and honest. I did it. Here's the skinny is you pay a you pay an attorney for strategy. And so just like you, yeah, I could brand myself too and probably, you know, pull up some um, emojis and, you know, put it on the top. And maybe that would even take off as a brand. Chances are one out of 5,000, but it could. And the same holds true with using a, a service like LegalZoom. Um, LegalZoom is a filing service. And so 
nothing I've seen from LegalZoom. <laughs> like I get involved when LegalZoom, somebody screws it up by getting that false sense of security that they filed a trademark on LegalZoom and then they get sued for trademark infringement. Then I get involved and I have to undo all that stuff. So you guys, I would rather have you call me and say, Steve, I can't afford you. I don't, you weren't particularly impressive, but I, I, you're willing to talk to me for free. I'd rather have them call me than, or do it themselves. Like go to the law library, go and find uh, the legal clinic at your local law school to help you do it, as opposed to getting that false sense of security that, that LegalZoom's doing it. Sure, LegalZoom also has like a service where they have attorneys. I can, I, I don't, I'm not here to disparage LegalZoom attorneys, but there's, that's a model, you guys. Like they get paid per, per click. Like you don't want, I wouldn't want to pay Jody per click. Like I just, that's not, that's not what you're looking for. I hope I'm working with people that want to make more than like $2,000 on their, on their brand. Like we're talking about building big brands. Like we're talking about big entrepreneurial um, and endeavors that maybe you're not there yet, or maybe you are. It's the same process. You go through the same strategy because ultimately you want to get to the M&A table. You want, or you want to keep the brand forever, but most people don't. They get to the M&A table and they get, they work themselves out of the business and they do quite well. And so if that's your goal, you, you, LegalZoom is absolutely the worst place to start. Okay, you said something to me that I think is so cool. Uh, make it, market it, protect it all at the same time. And that's really what the summary of what you're talking about, right? Like, yeah, I, I, like the, the entrepreneur is so focused on the making it and the marketing it and the protecting it really falls, you know, at the bottom of the list. Um, but it sounds like the protecting it is what's going to make the difference when it is time to sell or um, really grow the business. Um, okay, so you, you listed three. And it, it really is a lot less time um, working on the protecting side. Like it's not, this is not meant to be a torture. Right. I mean, uh, listen, I'm no different than, than you guys when I have to go and talk to my attorneys, which, you know, again, I don't use LegalZoom. I go and hire an attorney for whatever I have to do on my corporate side or, you know, wills and trusts or whatever. Um, I, you know, it's like you look at your calendar, you're like, oh, no, not that today. <laughs> like, oh. Like, oh man, can I can I postpone that for Wait, six months? Wait, you're a lawyer like, and you and you feel like that? <laughs> sure. It's, it, again, it's like you don't know, like. So we make it our total TM process. Like we make it really, very. We're all really number one. I hired for you. Got to be nice, um, and you got to be uh, empathetic and kind and have some entrepreneurial experience. And then the other thing is, you know, we just we we've spent years creating processes. So it's just really like. As long as we see your brand plan, we'll sit there and figure all this stuff out for you. Like, make it really nice and easy. And usually the entrepreneur or the business owner or the board, um, if it's a larger company, you know, sits down and has about an hour of questions. And we answer the questions. We usually don't charge for that because we just want everyone to be copacetic. Um, and, and it just becomes like more of a conversation. Then, um, you know, we don't, that's how I can have the number of clients I have too, because it's like, not you don't have to talk to the attorney every day. Whereas I think the brander um, or your brand partner is much more important. Your brand always has to be growing, and um, that's the, that's kind of the vicious cycle, though, a little bit. Because your brand, if if you you probably know the same more than I do, but if your brand if you're not moving, you're you're dying. And so you know you see that with every large brand too. Like Head and Shoulders might be head and have Head and Shoulders, but now they have eighty kinds of Head and Shoulders. That's because brands always are, have to grow and evolve. 
And the same home, that's a terrible example, but the same holds true with, um, with, with then you have to notify the brand protection team that, hey, you're modifying this project. Or for example, Jody, again, I know packaging is a big deal in your industry right now. You have to notify like, hey, I hired this influencer, um, potentially. This influencer is unpackaging it on YouTube. Well, there's a whole bunch of other intellectual property rights that are gonna happen right at that moment. You don't wanna give, you wanna make sure that it's a work for hire, um, that you're not giving up any of your copyright. And so there's a whole bunch of decisions once in a while that you have to make with your brand protection teams. Um, one, one other thing is large, large organizations like L'Oreal would have probably 50 attorneys doing this. Um, so, you know, the point is, is we have to then take those strategies and move them into a package that entrepreneurs can face. Right. So we're not talking just about like, I'm going to create the name of my brand and I need to get that trademark. I'm going to create the logo for my brand and get that trademark. When you're talking about influencer marketing and packaging, it's another level of legal support that we need. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. Like how, how can I, am I trademarking like the packaging design? Sure. Let, let's go through um, just very briefly the, the types of intellectual property that your, your um, listeners should be focused on. Trademark protects brand. So it protects goods, which is what most uh, cosmetic brands do, is they bring out goods to the marketplace. They also pr protect services. For, so for example, a famous makeup artist that um, might have a brand or, or start a bunch of salons that have a brand on, on um, on makeup, uh, putting on makeup, and so or dressing somebody or hairstyle. The whole thing is it protects the name and the tagline and the logo sometimes. Um, for example, the AT&T logo is a, is a trademark, the L'Oreal logo. Those are all trademarks. So it protects the brand, the customer experience, so you know where that product is coming from. Copyright protects the product, the art, the product packaging, the directions on how you put on the product. So for example, if there's a unique little brush that you brush something on and you have to explain to the client how to do that, or the end user consumer how to do that, that would be through copyright. And so we, we integrate those strategies really closely to make it like a kind of a tight knit sweater. The third thing is everyone that's producing a, a product has a unique formulation usually, um, or a, a spin-off of established formulation. That is protected a lot of times through trade secret agreements. So you have to have trade secret agreements, or you should. You should explore that with your co-employees, your manufacturers for sure. Then your manufacturer might be coming out of China. Well, then you have international law. Um, and, and so it's great to explore that. So what we do in our first visit a lot of times is explore all those things and then integrate it into a spreadsheet and determine how to do it. The fourth thing is patent, um, which protects inventions. My experience, and I'm not a patent attorney, my experience is I can evaluate um, if, some, if, if talking to a patent attorney is worth it. Most of the time, no one in the branding world is necessarily coming up with it, coming out with a unique invention. That's inventors. Like for example, my sunscreen product was not gonna be something that I invented. It was gonna be something I bought from a factory, um, a cosmetic factory in Florida that had sunscreen in it that um, somebody, they invented it. So the whole idea is brand 
in, again, coming back to the central theme in cosmetics and beauty, brand is everything, everything is brand. So we're really focused on the cheap and easy things to do, but you take those three forms of intellectual property, you put it together. The last thing is like the corporate stuff. Like Jody, you said you did legal zoom. Well, if you have, I don't know if you have co-founders, you know, the whole thing is like, you have to explore that because who owns the form? Like who owns your templates, all those things. Like, is it, sometimes it's a company, but then who makes a decision for the company? So we kind of explore all that in like 20 minutes. And then we can, you know, provide advice to the entrepreneur on, on um, mapping all that out. Usually it's one to two trademarks, a few copyrights, and kind of talking about the trade secret and you're in business for a while. Um, just as an aside, you said the word copy, copyright is about the pack, what's written on the packaging. Mm -hmm. And I started my career as a copywriter, but that's oh, like okay. creative. It's creative writing, but maybe that's the, where it got its name from. Like the people writing the legal copy on packaging were called copywriters, maybe? Yeah, I think it's spelling is like off by one. But um, so copyright is R-I-G-H-T and copyright is W-R-I-G-H-T. Oh. Uh -huh. But um, the it's very similar. So if you are a copywriter for, um, creative copywriter for um, ad copy or for um, copy on packaging, so somebody was hiring you to write it. So we get into these disputes all the time where the, the, the copywriter won't release copyright. So they won't say, they'll say, I wrote it. You never, so I get, I get half the royalties. You never worked that out with me. Well, that's a really lousy copywriter, like don't work with. But you have to create a, what's called a, a work for hire agreement with the copywriter to sh make sure that you have all the intellectual property. Um, and this only becomes important when someone knocks you off or when you're at the M&A table and they try and they're going to go through all these checklists to try and drive the price down because they're going to say, well, you never got that. Where's the work for hire agreement on the back of your, um, for the, for the instructions? Oh, you didn't do that. Well, how do we know? Number one, they know, but anyway, the point is no one's brought it up for 20 years, but the point is they're going to use that as leverage to drive the price of the M&A down. Um, so, right, and we want our founders to have the most value in their brand. Value in their brand and do the prophylactics necessary, cheap prophylactics necessary to not run into the problems that drive up the legal costs hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars or <clears throat> make mistakes that, that sometimes, you know, are unsolvable, meaning we're still stuck in litigation on some of this stuff. So I wrote down three things that you told me when we were on our call. Mm. Like number one, that you give a free initial consult so everyone should call you, right? That's just Absolutely. like the rule. Anyone who's listening, just call Steve. Just call him. Tell him I said call him. Well, and, and, and um, then any attorney, anyone that's like, oh, we charge $100 for, you know, our initial consult. It's like, all I want to do, I have to get to know my clients to do good legal services. And so it's really a get to know you call and just dive into your business plan. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the second thing I wrote down is if you're already in the market, like your team will help assess and evaluate the labels, the artwork, the customer testimonials, instruction manuals, formulas, what should be protected um, so that they keep the value in their business. And then mm -hmm. the other thing you told me was about knockoffs, which you talked about, right? Like until you protect yourself, it's really difficult to, unless you do the work, it's really difficult to protect yourself. So that's something that um, all brands really need to be thinking about. Absolutely. Knockoffs are the hugest issue right now. Um, 
especially in e-commerce. I mean, I so I told you on the street in New York City last summer, I passed by a table and usually people are selling like scarves or hats or whatever. And they were selling like fake, <laughs> fake products and beauty products and brands that like, of course, everyone knows and loves. And it was it was amazing how many people were crowding around this table for their fake Urban Decay products or whatever, you know, whatever other brands they had there. Um, and it looks so real, right? And like, who knows what's inside those containers, you know, what kind of gross formulas are in there. But um, that's a huge problem for a brand. So I'm from Wisconsin originally, but um, I've spent plenty of time in New York City. And I thought, you know, you didn't see it in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, like, you know, the tables. Um, you saw barely anything. But the, um, in New York City, you know, you'd see the tables. Even when I was growing up in the, you know, 80s and 90s, you'd see that. But now with e-commerce... Um, the, there's certain studies that say almost 50% of commerce on Amazon are knockoffs. So, and so we're seeing it, so it's become exponential. And then you're seeing, especially with COVID, you know, that the, maybe the retail sales model where you can control your channels, like Macy's can control their channels. Saks Fifth Avenue can pretty much control their channels. They know they have such sophisticated distribution channels. But Amazon, it's it's a different show. And so um, if two out of four are knockoffs, um, you, there are so many e-commerce strategies that you have to take into consideration um, when, when launching or managing a brand. Because you don't, unless you're, you have like the tightest distribution channel, maybe Louis Vuitton, even they even have problems. But it's a tight distribution channel. They know They know exactly when that truck is leaving Paris to, with the goods. Um, they know exactly how to track and exactly how many they ship to each store. Most of us don't have that luxury. And so we really have to take the, the steps at the early stage. One thing we're being really effective with is taking down at, um, in China on um, Alibaba. So a lot of these brands end up on wholesale on Alibaba um, at the Chinese, um, on the, never crosses American soil. But if you can't take down there, once it gets to the United States, it goes into like this huge spider web and it's very difficult to police your brand. So brand policing becomes a really big deal in your industry. And um, so, and then when they're working with you, Jody, creating um, aspects of authenticity, meaning how are you going to know that it's an authentic brand? Well, I can point that out on Louis Vuitton. I can point that out on um, some high level cosmetic brands, but packaging has to be it. And packaging, there has to be little tricks, secrets on how you're packaging, who you're getting that tissue from, whatever you're doing. Um, that can all, be, that has to be taken into consideration. And that has to be kind of work. You're either going to do it yourself with, with, you know, me telling you it's protection or work with someone like Jody who can see little elements that we can kind of protect. And, well, she's going to be more focused on what little elements there are that may create authenticity and then I would protect them. So authenticity is huge in your industry right now. Um, that topic is so interesting. There was these um, little dolls that my daughter loved, I guess it was like last summer, called LOL dolls. And um, she learned about them, of course, on YouTube. And there's these little, little toys that come in, you know, really fun packaging. But my daughter at eight years old knew how to spot a genuine LOL doll from a fake. And like, that was like, kind of like the, the game whenever we'd walk into a store, she'd be like, that one's a fake, that one's real. And like, she got educated because the influencers who partnered with the brand did education videos around like, these are legitimate OL dolls, look for these. 
details versus the um, the fakes that were wrapped differently or the, the whole name wasn't there, right? Um, and it became a really important part of um, understanding like the value of the brand that this eight-year-old, you know, is recognizing yeah, for sure. um, what, exactly what you're talking about. Okay, this is so interesting. I just want to be um, remind everybody that you just call Steve. Like, really, just don't worry about it. Just call Steve. See how nice he is and his team is. And they're going to listen to you, and they're going to tell you what has to happen now to protect yourself. So thank you so much, Steve, for your wisdom. I know this is an episode that our, our listeners will keep coming back to. Sure. A pleasure. And you, you guys are in a great industry. I love it. Oh, thank you, Steve. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Steve. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.